0: Last week, the U.S. and China held bilateral talks in Anchorage, and by all accounts, tensions were pretty high. But the meetings were significant and did hold some takeaways that people should be paying attention to. This week, we get the latest from our Vice President of China Operations, Matt Margulies. From the U.S.-China Business Council in Washington, D.C., I'm Ian Hutchinson, and this is the China Business Minute. Matt Margulies is our Vice President for China Operations. Welcome back, Matt.
1: Hey, Ian. Glad to be
0: back. All right. So the U.S. and China held their first high-level government meetings in Anchorage, Alaska last week. Um, Can you give us some quick background on the meetings?
1: Yep, sure thing. So U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken and National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan held a meeting in Anchorage, Alaska last week with two Chinese foreign policy leaders. One, Yang Jiechi, who is head of the Communist Party's Foreign Affairs Commission. He's a former foreign minister, a former ambassador to the US and really one of the Communist Party's top America experts. The other, Wang Yi, who's China's foreign minister and state counselor also joined Yang in Alaska. The summit was significant for a couple reasons. First, it was the first high-level meeting between the US and China since President Biden has taken office. And second, because many were looking to see if there would be any outcomes or a course change or explicit signals about how the Biden administration plans to work with China. And that's because U.S.-China relations could probably be characterized as at their lowest point in a long time, um, starting over the last four years. The business community, of course, is looking for a bit more stability and predictability going forward, and so we were closely examining what was happening going into and coming out of Alaska.
0: Okay, so that's helpful. Um, So it was an important two-day set of meetings. Uh, Did anything significant happen?
1: Well, I will say that actions from both China and the U.S. had a bit of a destabilizing effect on the relationship heading into the meeting, which caused expectations for the summit to be uh, quite low. Um, China held its annual sessions of parliament about a week before the summit and approved changes to the Hong Kong legislative system. This upset the U.S. and resulted in enhanced sanctions on 24 individuals in Hong Kong and mainland China just 24 hours before Chinese officials landed in Alaska. Some other important context is that Secretary of State Blinken traveled to Alaska after returning from trips to Japan and South Korea to talk about shared interests, including security and cooperation with those countries regarding China. When the meeting started in Alaska, there were a bit of public fireworks with Both sides raising their list of areas in the bilateral relationship, basically, that they're unhappy about and that they'd like to change. And a lot of this was caught on camera and somewhat unexpected for the level of candor and disagreement that both sides shared.
0: Okay, so the meetings were an important inflection point. They were tense, though expectations were low. So what were the main outcomes and then what comes next?
1: So it's easy to say the talks were a failure or not a success because of the level of disagreement and gap in shared interests. And while I don't think the talks were particularly positive, I wouldn't say they're entirely a failure either. Look, the US and China have been disagreeing for some time now. uh, And this meeting kind of brought all of those disagreements to a public head. Right. Uh, first, we shouldn't and really we didn't expect this meeting to resolve all or even most of the challenges in the relationship. In, in reality, it was more of a, a stock taking than anything else. The Biden administration has been talking about multilateralism since before it came into office and they reiterated that at this summit. The Chinese have been upset with US tech restrictions and entity listings among other topics. And they let that be known uh, fairly clearly ahead of the meeting and during the meeting as well. To be honest, sometimes it's good to have an outlet valve to just vent to each other for a bit. I don't think we're under any illusions that things are going to suddenly be great or change dramatically, but at least we're talking and being transparent about concerns, right? We're, we're We're setting baselines in the relationship and we're doing so very early on. Remember, we're only 60 days into the Biden administration. Historically, sometimes it takes... Um, U.S. administration is much longer to come to terms with what they want to achieve with respect to the China relationship. So they've done this fairly early in the relationship, which is potentially important. Second, the U.S. and Chinese readouts of the meetings were also quite different. Uh, The Chinese readout was much lengthier, talking about views and concerns raised by the Chinese, but also noted plans to cooperate in climate change, work on protocols for diplomatic vaccination, possible people-to-people exchanges, and travel or visa facilitation as well. Secretary of State Blinken in his press conference was also explicit that our interests in the area of climate change do intersect with China. Given the broad nature of that topic and the significant economic opportunity tied to climate change, right? Clean technology, uh, pollution remediation technology, a lot of other spheres, there are some areas we can certainly build on in this cooperative space. As far as what's next, There's an upcoming climate change meeting hosted by Canada, the EU, and China that U.S. climate czar John Kerry will take part in, so an opportunity for engagement and building on some topics of shared concern. There are a few other multilateral summits this year at which Biden and Xi could theoretically meet, like the G20 or UN Climate Change Conference in Scotland later this year. Now, I don't expect a very robust engagement agenda between the U.S. and China this year. I think the Alaska Summit did make that fairly clear. Uh, But it's also clear that the U.S. and China are poised for an extended period of economic and political competition, right? That's the new normal of the future. Uh, But both sides have also been clear that they will cooperate in areas where it makes sense to cooperate with each other. What's more realistic, probably, instead of a large grand bargain, is probably – you know, small cooperation on specific issues like visa and travel and public health concerns. I'd say taking small bites instead of big bites. That's what I would expect in the near to medium term.
0: All right. Thank you for the roundup, Matt.
1: Thanks, Ian. See you next time.
0: Again, Matt Margulies is our vice president for China operations. China Business Minute is a production of the U.S. China Business Council, and you can always learn more about the work that we do on our website, uschina.org. If you like the show, please leave it a rating, leave it a review, or send it to your colleagues. And as always, thank you very much for listening, and we'll be back next week.